Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. My name is Christine Grimmett, and I'm here with two special guests. We have Betty McDowell, the Vice President of Ministry Services at Heartbeat International, and we have a very special guest with us at the conference this week. His name is Darren Mulligan. He is the lead singer for We Are Messengers. Um, he serenaded us last <laughs> night at dinner. He yeah. had some music and a really great message for our crew, and so it's just a blessing to have him here. Um, we are here at the Heartbeat Annual Conference. We're celebrating a 50th birthday for Heartbeat International, so it's a little extra special this year. And we are blessed to be in person. Uh, last year was our virtual-only conference, and this year we did both virtual and in-person happening at the same time. <laughs> so we have our hands full, but it has been a wonderful week so far. And Betty, I'm going to turn things over to you to see where this goes. Hey, thanks so much, Christine. Darren Mulligan. Okay. Betty, like I have, I have all these questions for you. Like, I'm a fan, so I, I'm just so people know I'm keeping my distance. I'm a fan girl, but I'm keeping my or fan <laughs> woman, fan old woman. No, um, keeping no, my no. distance. But we were trying to figure out last night in our room. We were talking about like when did we all get kind of like figured out we are messengers? Like when was that? And it's been a couple of years, a year and a half, I think, for me. Uh -huh. And it was like I really like their music, and so when I travel. Like I have it on, and it was like getting a chance to see you then in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. on stage. You didn't see me. I, I waved at you, but you didn't see me. And there was a, about a hundred thousand people yeah, there, yeah. so I, I didn't see individuals that clearly. And I loved it. And I just thought, not only are you a very blessed and talented musician and singer, you're just you're Darren. You're Darren mm. Mulligan, and it was just really kind of cool to see your character and to see you and to hear your heart. So I have all these things that kind of flip around in my head. So it's like, okay, I know he's 41 years old, folks. Mm -hmm. So what did it feel like to be 41-year-old at a 50th birthday party for, <laughs> for a nonprofit organization? Let's start there. Yeah, it feels great to be 41. I was talking to one of my friends recently, and I was just saying, I'm so glad I'm not in my 20s anymore or that awkward teenage phase. Um, I'm at a, a period in my life where I'm okay being me that allows me to do the things that I'm called to do without worrying about what people think about me. Um, I feel like I'm in a season of my life where I have peace for the first time in many, many years. Uh, we talk about having peace with Jesus, but most of the time we really don't have it. It's just a thing we say. Uh, but I actually have it now, which is really weird. Uh, it's, it's really freeing. And uh, yeah, it's good to be me. I don't like me quite often, <laughs> but uh, but I'm grateful for the giftings and the callings God has given me and that I have a great wife, great kids. Um, we have some money in the bank. We have choices mm -hmm. that we're able to make freely and we get to choose to do the things that we love. I'm not been forced into being We Are Messengers. I get to choose to do that now. Not forced to live in America. I get to choose to do that. So people look at 40s and 50s like, that's the loser years or whatever, where you give up on your dreams. I actually think it's quite the opposite. I think it's the period in your life where you have uh, the time, still the energy, and sometimes the resources to do what you're called to do. So I love it. That's cool. Well, wait till you get your 60s. Oh, I'm going to be is, loaded is, when I'm in my 60s. <laughs> Me and Donald <laughs> playing golf down in oh, whatever that Mara de Lago place is. I don't even like golf or rich places. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so last night, we had really a great time with you. It was so much fun. And, and so 
this is going to sound probably stupid on my part. It was the first time I ever really, really made the connection. Uh-huh. We are messengers with the fact that you are just a natural evangelist. <laughs> it's like it hit. It's like, I always thought that was a great name. And uh-huh. I, I knew what the message was. But it was like, no, that, that is you. So I yeah. know there's a story here yeah, um, yeah. about not only your background, but also We Are Messengers and how that came to be. And I would love for you to share that with us. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, I'm an evangelist. I'm a very atypical evangelist. I'm uh, a messy, uh, wretched, (laughs) sinful, and heavily reliant on the mercy of God. And humble folks. Uh, (laughs) I can witness that. I can't say that word without uh, being unhumble, but... um, yeah, so I have a very messy, broken life. I have a messy, broken history that was redeemed by God about 13 years ago um, through my girlfriend who became my wife, who fell in love with Jesus, and, and she introduced me to God. And I was an atheist. I rejected all of that. And then I, God just kept on hammering at the door until I eventually said yes to him. And I played music all my life since I was seven years old watching my mom and dad dancing in the kitchen to Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash. And, and the, bank, the bank would send us threatening letters every week to tell us they were taking her home. And my, my dad would take the letter, cuss at it, rip it up, throw it in the fire, and he'd go and dance with my mother. And so I remember falling in love with music, realizing it could take you away. And it's only when I came to God at uh, 27 that I started to sing. I had never sang before. I'd always played instruments. But my heart was so, I was so excited about God when I came to him at 27. Like I would have ran through walls for Jesus. There wasn't a day went by where me and my wife didn't go and tell someone about the love of God. Weren't making any money. There was no career. We were just obsessed with Jesus. Our theology was terrible. It still is. Um, But we love God. And so we eventually, long story short, got offered a record deal in America. And we turned that down a couple of times because... I had no desire to leave the people I loved or the community I loved. God brought us here. We wanted a name that wasn't Darren Mulligan because I'm always going to let people down and I don't want people to associate what God is doing with me. I want it to be something broader. And the scriptures say, how sweet are the feet of the messengers who carry the good news of Jesus. And we always wanted to be good news. I'm not always good news, but we want to be that. And so we are messengers is it's kind of just me. And my wife and my kids and then these incredible bandmates that we have. We don't want to be rich. We don't want to be famous. We just want to do really reckless things for God. God knows I've spent most of my life doing really reckless things for me. And now I want to give the reckless things for him. That's really pretty cool. You know? Um, enjoyed spending time with uh, Kyle. As Kyle's well, Kyle a good is. man. And also a very talented young man. Like, yeah, yeah. It was impressive and loved really the chemistry that you guys had on stage. And <laughs> so how do, you, how do you find good bandmates? Like, it, it's hard and, and they've come and gone over the past six or seven years. But Kyle has been the one consistent mm-hmm. member of the band. Uh, and I think what we have in common is we're both introverts. We both like to hide in corners. And uh, <laughs> we've both got giftings that have forced us into the public place. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to laugh at ourselves, you know. And each other, I noticed. I noticed uh, that you laugh at each other. Oh yeah! Well. If you can't laugh, like <laughs> if you can't laugh, I don't know how anyone can share the gospel without joy. And so we have joy, um, we have friendship, um, we have accountability. 
it's a really good friendship. I don't have many of them uh, doing what I do. There tends to be a lot of people that want to have relationship for uh, upward mobility in their agendas. Agendas. agendas yeah. But you know, honestly, that's just that can be the church at times too. Mm-hmm. Why do we? Why are we pro-life? It's an agenda. The agenda tends to be for people that aren't passionately consumed with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Pro-life is an agenda to achieve social justice means, and uh, I don't have much time for that either. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is then we tend to make these young mothers our agenda. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't have agendas. He just had compassion. He just had love. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at young mothers and fathers without looking at them as um, achievement goals or achieving our agendas, then we tend to be actually much more relatable and compassionate. And so I would used to look at young girls who've had abortion and you know all the judgments would run through my mind. How can they? Why would you? How dare you? And what I realize now is these young girls just need someone to step in alongside them and say, I can't imagine how hard this is, but we'll walk with you. Not because we want you to be like us, mm-hmm. but because we're compelled to love you by the love of Christ. Kind of like that made in the image thing, right? Is that? That's ah, a good segue. <laughs> You're doing all right at this podcast. <laughs> I like made in the image of God. I think it's just, I always start with the idea of, if I'm going to tell someone about the love of God, I have to believe that and experience it for myself. And so that song only happened like a year and a half ago when I was having this crisis of identity again. And uh, the Lord reminded me it's okay. I'll tell you a story I haven't told anyone. This will oh, be good, right? All right. So when I turned uh, 40, I bought myself a, a soft top Chevy Camaro, right? I'm Irish. I thought, <laughs> let's have a midlife crisis by a sports car. So I did. And I had it, drive around the top down every now and then, take the kids for a ride, my wife for a ride. It was a good time. Uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, the Lord told me to sell my Camaro. And I was like, well, why? And uh, he said, just sell your Camaro. Mm-hmm. So I told my wife, Heidi, she said, no, don't sell your Camaro. I love the Camaro. She went out for dinner with someone. When she came back, I had sold the car. <laughs> That's the way I am. And we didn't have a car. And so I was like, what now, God? He said, you don't need a, you don't need a fancy car. That's not who you are. He said, get a truck. And I was like, all right. And then he said, you made $23,000 on your car. I want you to buy a truck for $10,000 and take the other $13,000 and buy some forest in Ireland. And so I did. Found this Christian man out in Cookville, bought a truck. It's got no air conditioning. <laughs> and the first day I was driving at home, I realized that for the first time in a couple of years, I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about what's next in my career. I had my arm out the window just singing, going slow. And so I'm at this place in my life where the Lord has reminded me it's not about how I appear or what I want to do. It's about just listening. Mm -hmm. And that he has good things for me. And those good things might be slower, might look less cool, mightn't draw attention, but they are good things. And I think, you know, I'm looking at science here like we babies smiling. Me and my wife really want to leave a legacy that impacts the pro-life movement. I'm not sure what that's going to be yet. Um... But I know the Lord's setting us up to do something, uh, something that matters. Because songs that don't matter don't matter. Mm-hmm. Christians that don't do anything except talk, they don't have an impact. And so I can talk about being pro-life all I want, but until I give my time and energy and money and resources, I'm not really pro-life. I'm just uh, pro-nonsense. 
So that's actually where I wanted to go next, not the pro-nonsense, but... but <laughs> that's I, a new group I'm starting. <laughs> pro-choice, pro-life, and pro-nonsense. <laughs> I am pro-nonsense because I'm Irish. I like that. <laughs> what was... What was, was there an event? Well, tell me a little bit about the process of what the like really deep awakening was for you on uh-huh. this particular issue of helping women and the issue of abortion. Like what, what happened or what was happening that, that brought you to this place? Because there yeah. are a lot of great musicians, singers out there who hold to this conviction of sorts, but they don't, they're not out there like you're out there. Well, I think sometimes... We don't put, there are a lot of great Christian singers and country singers and pop singers that are pro-life mm-hmm. and, and do provide a lot of resources and time and energy behind the scenes, but very few of them uh, actually step forward and say, well, this is who I am, this is what I want to be engaging in. Because of what's happening in America, uh, cancel culture, as soon as you lift your head above the power pit, you have some uh, two-bit social commentator mm-hmm. you know, harassing you. So it's, it's a scary thing to come out and say, you know, this is what me and my family believe and this is what we're putting our time into. So you're saying it could be a career... Yeah, so it, yeah, it's, yeah. Not help, it's not helpful to my career. Yeah, yeah. Not in the slightest. Like, it, it is essentially very damaging to my career. Yeah, but look at the fame it brought you here at Heartbeat. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, fam- I'm famous at Heartbeat. <laughs> no, like, it's a damaging thing to my career in one part, um, but I have to remember that when I, when I honor God, he honors me. And so... Our career is thriving. Every show we're doing now is sold out. It's, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'm afraid of when I talk about this mm-hmm. is I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid of the finger pointing. I'm afraid of the people going, ah, yeah, but you're, you're that guy. You're, mm-hmm. you're a sinner, aren't you? You're, like, you're messy. You're kind of a bit rough around the edges, a bit dirty. And I used to be like, imagine if people really knew me. I really don't care. They can take everything from me. They can't take God. Mm-hmm. They can't take my relationship with the Father. So fear keeps us from speaking the truth. Mm-hmm. We like to tickle people's ears, mm-hmm. tell them Jesus loves you. And I often say, well, big deal. Who cares? Jesus loves everybody. <laughs> it doesn't make you special because Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. And so I want, I want to be able to demonstrate a gospel in which prodigals get to come home, prostitutes and adulterers get to be redeemed. Um, thieves get to be known as as people of good character. I want to share gospel where redemption happens. Mm-hmm. And until I show up and do the work, and not just saying it, I can't be the kind of evangelist that I need to be. You know, I tell my kids about it all the time. I tell don't don't confuse daddy with Jesus. Daddy's a punk. He sings in a band called We Are Messengers. Jesus is holy. So I remind them that even their salvation, I said, that's not got anything to do with me. That's the Lord calling you through faith. I don't want people to confuse me with God because I will let them down. I'll let you all down. That's the truth. And so the last two weeks, we've led hundreds of people to to faith at our shows. We've led lesbians to Christ. Mm -hmm. We've led prostitutes to Christ. We've led good Sunday school, you know, people. We let a 77-year-old woman who was baptized at seven to Jesus three nights ago who had never believed. And in the middle of that, I ask, oh, well, why me? And he's like, why not? Mm-hmm. So it's, no, it's, not a, it's not like, it doesn't make me special because I get to do this. The gift is that I get to partner with God and what he's doing, and that enriches my life. So it's no burden 
to be abused online for believing in this. Mm -hmm. It's a joy. Because when they mock and they scorn me, they already did that to him first. So the other thing is why I do it is I've done so much damage in my life. I've caused so much damage and wreckage uh, that for me, it's a, it's a redemptive part of my story mm. that the Lord can take someone like me and can allow me to speak hope into people that have none. That's magic. And I don't deserve it. Any of it. I don't deserve my career. I don't deserve my family. I don't deserve the goodness of God. But he's kind. And so while he's dishing out kindness and mercy and redemption, I'll gratefully be lapping that thing up, you know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so two more things for you. Go for it. kind of come to mind. Here you are at the Heartbeat Conference. Mm-hmm. And kind of getting a chance to get to know Heartbeat Pregnancy Help Community, the kind of the service side, and we love working with the sidewalk counselors. But hearing more about things like the abortion pill reversal and all our maternity homes. Mm-hmm. So here you are. Is there anything that surprised you about mm-hmm. hanging out with us? Uh, well, I was surprised how many women were here. <laughs> it's just the truth. I was surprised and disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed that men haven't shown up in our own communities to protect the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I'm disappointed in myself that I showed up as a 41-year-old. Uh, I'm late to the party. And so I'd encourage more men to be actively engaging and involved in it. Um, I was surprised by the diversity. It was super cool to see like just all the different countries represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in the room, I know with lockdown, it's hard to get people here mm-hmm. from other countries, but just hearing the accents and, and the languages. Um, I was surprised by the joy in the room. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you think about abortion uh, and it's a very heavy topic to discuss. But it's really going to take joyful people. You see, joy, uh, joy breaks down barriers. Yeah, joy gives strength. Uh, Joy is attractive. Mm -hmm. All we don't need is more people bashing young people over the head with signs saying you're baby murderers. We need people saying, I can imagine if I was in your position, I would probably feel the same. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, and I have the opportunity to help you. Like, I, want, I, I would love to see the compassion and the tenderness that I saw in that room last night. Mm-hmm. And the great sadness. I, I saw a great sadness in people who have been working in this for so many years who were just wrecked, tired from it. Well, it's also broken people serving broken people. Broken right? people serving broken yeah. people. That's the gospel. That, if you want to write a song about that, that's fine with I'll me. Probably have written yeah. albums about that. But, cre- um, credit to Betty McDowell. Thank I'll give you, you 5%. <laughs> but yeah, that surprised me too. Just the weight of it, and, and you see it in these people's faces, they're exhausted. Because the field is wide on to the harvest, but the laborers are few. Yeah. And you see how few the laborers really are. Yes, there's hundreds here, yeah. and you might have a couple of thousand here last year. But in the grand scheme of things, yeah. the percentage of society or the church that are involved in pro-life work is tiny. So you have a very few carrying a very heavy, heavy load. And they need support. And honestly... They need people like me and people that have some kind of notoriety or semi-fame or fame to step forward and go, yo, shine a light in this. Jesus had a habit of hanging out with people um, that it was unpopular to hang out with. And I'll just say it again. Being pro-life is is taboo in our culture, Mm -hmm. which is so infuriating Mm -hmm. because pro-choice isn't. Mm -hmm. We celebrate being pro-choice. Not very many people celebrate being pro-life. I want to I learn 
and help people learn how to celebrate being pro-life in that we're pro-mother first, pro-mother and father, pro-mom and dad. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way I stand on this thing. I want every baby to be born. Yeah. But if I can't love the mother and the father, who am I to pretend I'm going to love the baby? So love mom first, love the dad, love the grandparents, and hope to God that we're able to just see these little babies come and just glorify the Father. And not even just glorify the Father. You know, I want kids to glorify the Lord, yeah. But I just want them to be born. I think about my own kids and the pain in my bum that they are. <laughs> bum is a very polite <laughs> Irish word for bottom. Um, Which is a polite word for other words. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. put it whatever word you want onto it. But um, they've brought me so much joy. Mm-hmm, and they enrich the world around us. And they're our future and our hope outside of Jesus and inside of Jesus. Like he always, Jesus always stood with the marginalized. Yeah. But again, I go back to the church because that's where I'm rooted. In Roman times, they would collect babies at the door that parents didn't want. Are we collecting babies at the door? No. Some are. Some, some are. are, my friend. Yes, yeah, some are, but <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. not enough, including yeah. me. Not saying we're all called to adoption Mm -hmm. or even fostering. Mm -hmm. But we need to at least be assisting in the process of doing that. So we should all in a way be collecting babies at the doors. Mm -hmm. Be offering alternatives. I'm such a hypocrite. You know, but we all are. And I think it's a good place to start with our own hypocrisy. And then... This is good because you're, you're actually taking me, I know our time is like coming to an end and you're taking me to a place I really wanted to go with you. Well, I was thinking about how you talked about celebrating and how that's what you did with us last night. And, and it, in the movement of pregnancy help, uh, so many times we feel like people are, they're alone. They feel like mm. they're alone. And so when we come together at events like this, it becomes very joyful yeah. and it proves to them you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, that's good. And I was thinking about, you know, when I think about Darren Mulligan, <laughs> what would Darren Mulligan say? Uh, something inappropriate. Yeah, well, so I'm going to do, uh, do the clean version. And, and Darren Mulligan would say, you're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And Darren Mulligan would say that it's okay if you're not okay. Yeah. And so I wanted you to, to close us out really with, with kind of that opportunity to say to somebody who might be listening to this who is either in this ministry and discouraged or they recognize their brokenness, or there might even be someone who's picking this up, but they, they know, they recognize that they're not okay. So, yeah. so I know there's probably a story with that particular song, but I thought maybe you could kind of close us out with, yeah. with being able to speak to that and just give a word uh, of encouragement about that. I will, yeah. Uh, the Lord reminded me. He says, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me, Right? The truth is they are unborn babies in the womb of a mother who are completely helpless and at the absolute discretion of that mother whether they carry through with a pregnancy or not. They are the most vulnerable in our society. It's true. So whatever you do one of the least of these, I would start by saying that the unborn are the least of these because they are helpless. They have no choice whatsoever. None. And they are the most vulnerable. So I would say if you started out on a journey towards loving the least of these as Jesus loved them, then best to continue that. Because he says that perseverance and endurance, the end result of that is salvation. And not just of children or mothers, but your own personal redemption is intertwined with the redemption of these children. You see, 
God uses us all and all of our giftings. He really does. And I've been to so many of these pregnancy help centers, as you call them. Mm -hmm. That's very well said. <laughs> and when I walk in, I feel hope. I feel like opportunity is there. I feel like the gospel lives there. Mm -hmm. And so don't grow. This is it. Do not grow weary in doing good because at the right time, there'll be a harvest. So every seed you've sown and watered with prayer, the Lord will see the harvest come. But if you don't persevere and you don't endure, you'll never get to witness it. Mm -hmm. I think I said it last night, don't treat what you do in this ministry as a burden. It's a joy to partner. It's partnership with God. And remember that you can change the world, but it's going to happen in the simple, wee, small things. I get to play for thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And still my greatest joy is to sit backstage and talk to a wee security guard or a mm -hmm. bus driver or a, a lovely wee woman, a catering, about the goodness of God. Remember that Jesus sees you in the small things. He's with you in the small things. Any man can stand on a stage and sing for thousands, but very, very few men can listen to the heartache of a woman. And that's what I want to be. And I'm not. But I strive to be that. Don't have that encouraged you. That's what you that's, got. That was good. That was pretty powerful. That was a great, great way to end a podcast. I mean, it's like if uh, if anybody was wondering, like, like who's Darren Mulligan? I, I'd like to know about him. I think you. I think we just gave him a really nice yeah. picture of of someone who's not okay, and it's okay. Yeah. Well, yo, you might have got me at the wrong time of day because I've been thinking a lot. I tend to be in a better mood at uh, nighttime because it's when my my body clock's really kicking into gear. Um, during the day, I think a lot. I am not okay. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is not okay. Uh, we've both re wrestled with uh, abject loneliness and mental health issues for much of our, our lives and a feeling of displacement and never belonging. Mm -hmm. Part of that's God's fault because he made us uh, gypsy travelers and that we, like gypsy travelers, we've traveled the world. We've got nowhere to call home. But then the Lord reminds me in that. He says, the foxes of holes and the birds of the air of nests, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. You know, and what a gift it is to be a traveler, lonely, uh, disjointed, unafraid, because I get to share in the ministry of what Jesus is doing. If you frame everything like that, everything's a gift. Mm -hmm. I'm, you can keep this in the podcast too. Just for you, if you are listening and you're wrestling with depression or anxiety or bipolar or schizophrenia or um, wrestling with mistakes you've made in your past or present or hope to, <laughs> or hope to make in your future, um, remember that God is good, right? And that everything, he promises us that he's turning everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So if you can look at the mess of your life as something that the Lord is going to use to make something beautiful, then nothing's wasted. Mm -hmm. Not a drop of your sin or your shame or your mistakes or your mental health crises is wasted because the Lord is going to use that if you let him to turn it together and to make something altogether more beautiful. See, we think God is missing whenever we're sinning, whenever we're failing, mm -hmm. whenever we're alone. 
but God is uh, astonishingly present. He mightn't be happy about the situation, but he's about to engage all of heaven, all of heaven and turning it towards something beautiful. And I live my life like that. Mistake by mistake, progress by progress, step by step, knowing that he's turning it. And the story was never about me. Mm-hmm. The story's always been about him. And I'll, I'll hate saying this, but I got to say it. The story's not about preventing babies being aborted. Mm-hmm. The story is about the love of God and the glory and compassion and tenderness of God being made visible in the world so that many might come to him and know his greatness and his glory and his kindness. And if we reframe that, this whole thing would be a lot less work and an awful lot more party. Because partnership with God, it's just brilliant. This is perfect because um, we can close things out because it goes back to Darren Mulligan we are messengers. <laughs> I think that was pretty much the theme of the entire podcast. And it explains, again, it's like the lights go on for me. We are messengers. Mm. So All of us, the whole lot of us. Long after I'm gone, we'll still all be messengers. Yeah. Can I turn that over to you, Christine? Sure. Yeah, uh, Darren, thank you. We thank really you. appreciate you sharing your heart with us. And... Um, really challenging us. I think all of our listeners, um, well, I hope they feel empowered by your story Mm -hmm. and inspired by your story. So thank you both Mm -hmm. for your time. Um, To our listeners, if you would like to hear more from Pregnancy Help Podcast, you can go to heartbeatinternational.org slash podcast and subscribe. And um, we'll have some links there as well. And also check out We Are Messengers. They're an excellent band. (laughs) We would love for you to go hear, hear some of the music. Um, And thank you again to both of you. And I hope everyone has a very blessed rest of your day.